You're welcome. We'd love to have you work in the fields with us. <laughs> work in the fields? That's part of that. That's... <laughs> Senator, I'm a house nigga. 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 God damn. It's a new day. Welcome, welcome. This is the Get Up Podcast. I'm here with Pharaoh, and I'm also here with DJ Belv. DJ Belv couldn't be here today. Right now, he's on the phone. He's actually on the highway right now. Introduce yourself. Yeah, what's going on, y'all? What's going on? Unfortunately, I couldn't make it in, but we still have to go along with this podcast because everything that's going on right now in this current age, I mean, of course, we just had our comp our Comey day, you know, <laughs> but we still have other things more than the Comey day. Of course, you know, before when Obama was in, you know, we didn't really have to really worry about too many things, you know, it's, you know, the biggest thing was, Oh, he had a tan suit, you know, or, and Michelle had her arms out, but now it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. So we had to, we had to talk about this stuff. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff going on. Pharaoh, introduce yourself. Yo, it's Pharaoh. I'm in the building tonight. Uh, I would like to preface this by saying I've had a few libations. <laughs> yeah, so so last time we didn't talk about the fact that we we were downing a couple of libations. Um, right now we are uh, lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're drinking Buffalo Trace bourbon. Um, and Buffalo Trace is a phenomenal bourbon. So if you get the chance to go out and you you want to request that, um, go grab some. But yeah, that's what we. We used to um, lubricate the conversation here to really get to really get deep in. You to have to ease you into it. <laughs> you, you have to lower down some of the barriers. So <laughs> right now, up. and we're doing it very classy too. We have these very blue um, solo cups we're, we're drinking out of right now. So that's the way you you oh, drink classic. So we had we had to bring it back. We had to bring it back to what, like high school days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, red you, solo you cup. Solo cups in high school use blue? I <laughs> came from that. We use red. Yeah, it used to be red. I don't know where we got these blue ones, but we, you know, you do the, the, the beer pong solo cups, but that's what we're rocking with today. So, um, so let's get into some current events. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is that Jeff Sessions is actually going to to give testimony in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Whoop. <laughs> and guys- I did see that. I did see that. And I actually was really shocked about that. No lie. Yeah. I mean, well, after a third meeting with the Russians, it's only, it's only <laughs> feasible that the Senate should interview you. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're being, if you're being interviewed by Sergey Kisilak every other week, then maybe you should maybe talk Congress to Congress <laughs> should talk to you, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hold on, but was this a voluntary, like, oh, I'm going to go test, like, go testify, like, almost kind of like what Trump did, saying that he would go testify, you know, under oath? So is is this a voluntary, or did they serve his ass papers? I don't think they served him any. I think he kind of voluntarily did it. Like, after his name kept getting dropped in the Comey hearing, and they kept saying, like, oh, like, oh, yeah, like, we can talk about Comey, but behind closed doors, he we can talk about volunteer. him. Um <laughs> A shout out to her again. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned her in the last podcast, but if you listen to her um, questioning uh, when she was, uh, oh, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't hear who you said. Who who are you referencing? Um, Kamala Harris, the senator from uh, California. Okay, mm. go ahead. 
Yeah. So she was, so basically she turned that into, um, you know, as more or less focused on just sessions. So I'm wondering if that's kind of also why he was like, you know what, let me, let me go ahead and testify. But I don't know if you guys remember me stating this last time. He lied on his security clearing and it was found out. And this was about like a couple of weeks ago that they, um, that they found that they, um, said that he lied. Yeah, on the security meeting that he had. <laughs> and also, Jared Kushner lied on his also. Like, he yes, had a, exactly. He, the whole team is liars. <laughs> I mean, a, we, we know that now, right? I had, mean, the Trump administration is, is a team of liars. So he has a meeting like two weeks before he has to fill out this form. And this form is like if you lie about it on the littlest thing, like if you got caught for smoking weed in like elementary school, they would kick you out of the government. And he lies on this like the week before he has a meeting with the Russians. He lies on this and he's like, oh, yeah, I just remembered. Let me put it back on there. And he's still in government. But I I feel like my biggest question for Jeff Sessions is that do you think under oath is he going to be truthful like I, I don't trust anything he says like that's my biggest issue with them first of all it's not even that you can't trust Jeff Sessions is that Jeff Sessions is who he is you know what you get with Jeff Sessions <laughs> a southerner with a very small view of the world that's not all he is he's that the fact that he's a Russian sympathizer though that's actually kind of a shock I'm not gonna lie yeah, usually, like, Republicans were, were staunchly... Remember what they were giving, like, Obama for not um, sending troops in You're to invade... You're not tough enough on the Russians. To invade Crimea, like, oh, why aren't you sending the troops in today? And all of a sudden, like, they're, like, his best friend. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the switch-up came from. My new philosophy right now is that if you're someone who's claiming to be a Republican... And you're not oh, dropping tell your party. Tell you are tell a him. Russian tell sympathizer. Him. Nothing tell more, him. nothing less. Tell Republicans yes. are dropping their party and being particular about the things going on right now. Those are real Americans. But all these Republicans Shut right on. now. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, say that all again. One more time. I'm about uh, to rewind that. Rewind uh, that. Say if that you're a Republican who's dropping your party right now because of boom, what's going boom, on, boom. you're a real American. <laughs> if you're a Republican <laughs> sticking with your party because that's your party, you're not American. You're a surf. Mm. Also, think mm. you, have to, you have to think about the. There was another report. And um, it was about how Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump were having a falling out over the fact that Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russian investigation. And he actually served him his resignation papers and Trump didn't accept it. And to me, that was like the biggest stab in the heart. I was like, why did you not accept that? Like, that would have been the best thing. That would have been like the best news of the week if Jeff Sessions was able to recuse himself and just resign from office and not like rebring up the drug war and everything like that. Like I hate sessions. He's like, I need him to do that. No lie. Like I really, really, really was hoping that him and Donald were Donald, him and Mr. Cheeto, Trumpito, um, <laughs> if they were able to um, get into just some sort of argument where he was like, you know what, I'm done. Like Jeff Sessions, we do not need you. I mean the didn't he just um didn't he just gut um uh some sort of uh i would say bill or whatever the case may be that oh um, obama passed um in regards to i mean the whole the whole thing that nature camp, the whole trump presidency has been pretty much gutting anything obama did yeah so i don't mm. know what specific obama <laughs> policy you're talking about 
but pretty much all of Trump's presidencies be Obama did that. Got it. <laughs> well, you don't even have to be specific, right? You could just say like, "Oh, that policy that Obama created that they gutted," and you'd probably be correct. You have like twenty <laughs> things to pick from. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah. Um, also, like with just sessions, like I, I think a lot of stuff gets unreported because you're always concentrating on the things that Trump has done. But Jeff like Sessions, the fact that the House gutted the Dog Frank. Bill oh yeah, Dodd Frank and gave Banks back the knife to gut America again. <laughs> That was what was going on while the Comey here was going on. While we were all talking about Comey, the Republicans were getting rid of Dodd-Frank bill, basically giving Banks the knife to do what they did in the early 2000s that lost us all our jobs. But I also think... Hold on, and uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to... I want to pick your guys' brains. Do you think that this was like a coordinated thing? Do you think that the Republicans were like... You know, like... I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, it, like, I want to say the media was kind of spinning it a little bit that way. It, it, it seemed like how they were mentioning it, it almost seemed as if the Republicans were like, you know, get them, get the public, um, you know, sidetracked, you know, get, uh, you know, uh, you know, sidetrack them on something else and then let's start keep like gutting some shit. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like that, that went under everybody's, everybody's radar i didn't even think about that you know see you remember in our last podcast when i was like don't be distracted by trump and his bs i was right mm. because we mm. were distracted by trump and his bs while republicans were giving the not the, the banks back their knife they said hey you mm. the last time you stabbed america up a couple times would you like to do it again <laughs> Uh, I also think, though, I also think when you're thinking about this, you have to think about the kind of ineptitude of the Republican Party. Because the fact of the matter is that for them to gut Dodd Frank, they need 60 votes in the Senate, and they're not getting that. So, so why keep taking votes on things that are never going to pass the Senate? Like that doesn't make any sense. Because, Hold on, I'm sorry. Spend. I mean, uh, F. Dot, say that again. F. Dot, say that again. One more time. So, because I'm thinking, to tell you the truth, I think that I was with the general public thinking that that vote that they had actually like it gut gutting it on so they still need another vote is that what you're saying yeah so so if you if you look at the 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 house vote on health care right the house vote on health care is specifically rated to tax increases and tax decreases and the reason they can do that is because if they use it through that process they can only use about. They wait, can get wait, it. Wait, wait, are we talking about healthcare? Or are we talking about the Dodd Frank? No, we're talking about Dodd Frank. But I want to strike the difference between why they can pass healthcare and why they can't pass Dodd Frank. Oh, you're educating the public. Yeah. Okay. So with with the healthcare bill, they can pass that because they can get it passed on 51 votes. They're able to do this because they're doing it through the budgetary process. But you can't okay. do that through Dodd Frank. You need to have over 60 votes because if you don't get that they can filibuster that bill so the fact of the matter Hold is but what, was, what was it that they voted on though because they had it was like two two i forgot what the vote the actual vote results were but what was that no no they can pass it through the house so but basically the house passed regulations to get rid of dodd frank and now it has to go to the senate yeah and the senate's sense? not gonna pass oh so it's not gonna pass that's not gonna pass mm. I'm, 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 oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. They may, they may, they may, they may rig it so that because maybe they can. There are pass a lot it. of. First of all, first of all, we've already gotten rid of the filibuster rule for Supreme Court justices. There's no precedent for. There's no reason to stop them from getting rid of this filibuster for everything else. Right. I mean, they could, they could use some kind of um, Senate 
Senate trick to kind of start getting rid of certain rules or whatever, but and then it, you would only need the majority rule to pass. Hold on, so are you guys? Hold on, hold on. Are you guys really saying that that Dodd Frank could actually pass through the Senate? I'm saying right now that Dodd Frank is going to pass through the Senate. I mean, because the way why is that? Because they already got rid of the filibuster for Supreme Court justice, which is more major than getting rid of the filibuster for laws. Yeah, uh. I'm I, I'm not as sure, but. I, I honestly wouldn't pass it past Mitch McConnell to do some shit like that. Um, but I, I do want to move on to to another topic. I want to talk about the whole Bill Maher scandal with Bill Maher calling. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, he gets the pass. Fuck it. No, I'm just lying. I'm being. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, being, I'm, I'm being. I'm being. Uh, yeah, whoever's listening, I was joking. I was joking. Let's, he doesn't. He do, he does not get the pass just because he was he was with a few black women and he thinks that he gets about, the pass. No, no, no motherfucker. No. I'm not giving Bill Maher pass for his sexual relations. I'm giving Bill Maher a pass for his history. My entire uh, my entire life, I have been watching Bill Maher on TV because I've had HBO. I'm, I'm bougie. But from watching Bill Maher in my entire life, he has been a consistent supporter of getting rid of these crime bills that allowed him to lock up black men in numbers, for getting rid of the Republican bullshit that divides and separates America, for calling liberals on their over-liberal bullshit when they protest against speakers at their college campuses. He has literally been a stable champion of values that I, as an American, support. I think we should probably get the the audience though a little kind of um, briefing on what happened. So yes, please tell them. Just so, in case they didn't see it, but it was everywhere though. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. But let's just give it like a quick rundown. <laughs> so so Bill Maher is on on real time um, with Bill Maher. That's his show on HBO, and he's interviewing Bob Sass. That's his name, Bob Sass. And um, um, yeah, I, I forgot where he, the, that senator was from. Yeah, so he's like a senator in the um, you know, the Senate. And he's he makes this joke, right? So Bob Stath makes so Bill Maher's like, Oh, I should go down to Nebraska or wherever you're from in one of these flyover states. And Bob Sass is like, Yeah, when you come down here, we'll have you work in the fields. And Bill Maher, hanging around too many black people for too long, goes, Oh no, I'm not a house nigger. <laughs> I'm not going to do No, that. no, no, he no, he said so. So just to kind of just to kinda of add on. So what he said what he said was the fact that he was, so he was like, yeah, you should come and work in the fields with us. Right. And he was like, oh, Senator. He was like, he was like, oh, Senator. He was like, I, I would be, a, I'm, a, I'm a house nigga. And, but he didn't say with the A. He didn't say, he didn't say like house nigga like everybody else. I, I think that he said it with the ER. And we all know the ER is something different. First of, all, first, of all, first of all, as someone who consistently checks anyone who uses the N word around them, I don't care what you are if you're black how black you are i check everyone who's the n-word around me so as someone like me it's a little like it's a little weird for me to tell other black people who don't check people all the time they need to calm down you let other people use the you use the n-word yourself you use the n-word with other people you talk to so now you're mad that people are using n-word because you're you haven't been checking it if black people really cared about the N-word, they wouldn't use them on themselves. They don't care. They want a special word just for them. That's unrealistic in human values. Bill Maher made a black people joke. White racists do not make that joke. That's not a white racist joke. Oh, a house nigga, Phil nigga. That's a black people joke. The problem with Bill Maher is he's a pothead and he hangs out with too many black people. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm sorry. Hold he on. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And then no, he hopped up no, on the I show don't. high and he popped up. Have you been watching Bill Maher all your life? You haven't. You just heard about no, Bill Maher. Like don't don't get me people. wrong. But don't get me wrong. I I agree with you that Bill Maher has been a supporter and has been like has been a supporter of African American rights, African American people, and all of that. But I'm sorry. I'm and I'm not fuck it. I'm not even sorry. But you, there's certain things that that people cannot say. Steve, and I mean, white people cannot say this. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You can't. Like you can't. And I'm not gonna just because it's in a couple of songs or whatever. Cases granted. Like all right, I all use right, the all word. Right. So hear DJ, me on this. DJ, I use DJ, the word. Do you check every person who's the N word around you? Do you yes, the N word yourself? Mean, in, in regards to white people. Or any other nationality in general. Because I'm, if you're not checking everybody for the word, then you can't make an argument. I, I think you can make an argument. I check everyone for the word, and then when I heard Bill Maher make that joke, sure, I was a little unnerved. But then I realized only black people make that. Race people don't make that joke. That's not a racist joke. I think he was. I think he was wrong for saying that. But I he also knows he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like in proportion, right? Like you have to you have to look at the whole body of work. So are you somebody who's like um, Mitch McConnell, who's trying to take away every black right as possible, and then making a black um, house nigga joke? Or are you somebody like Bill Maher who checks everybody? I mean, he checks Republicans on on TV, but he also checks liberals. He has very he has very. Um, Unliberal ideas that liberals hate that he's still espouses. He's a realist. So, so if you look at his body of work, I mean, I think like if you want to get somebody off the air, Bill Maher is not the person you want to get off the air from making. Oh no, 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 no,
There are people mm. who just saw a headline, saw a clip on TV, and now they're judging this guy off that clip hit. This is not Mitch McConnell. This is not Paul Ryan. This is Bill Maher, <laughs> a champion of real shit and what we really need to fix in our country. And we're talking yeah. about people and people who want to take off the air. People want to be mad about it's not Bill Maher. And the fact that there are black people who only heard about Bill Maher after the N-word is sad. Um. One question I want to ask everybody, and I want to give everybody, just because we don't have a, a lot of time for this segment, just, just state your opinion real quick. Should black people use the word nigger? No. I'm fourth generation <laughs> free. I don't use the N-word. You use the N-word around me, I'm checking you. I don't care what you look like, who you are. I'm going to let you know, I'm fourth generation free. Don't use the N-word around me. And that's my thing. If you're a black person who doesn't do that, you have no reason to be upset when anyone uses the N-word. You're not checking it across the board. You're only checking it when other races use it. You need to check it when other black people use it. Black people shouldn't use the word N-word to each other. That's what masters use to put us down. So now that you guys have made it socially acceptable, using it all the time, putting all your music, in New York City right now, everyone's using the N-word. Everybody. Exactly. I mean that is so, true, and I and I actually so, agree. I agree so with what Pharaoh's. Yeah. I, I agree with what Pharaoh is saying in, in regards to that. I mean, yes, I use it. I am guilty of it. That is something, of course, where I attempt to be more conscious in regards to that. And honestly, if we were able to just get rid of the word, I don't care about. You know, I. I it's one of those things where we need to uplift each other, yes, and we need to do all of uh, the uh, positive uh, images, you know, image creation regards to black people uh, and African-Americans, you know, in this United States. So, but uh, Estat, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I, the way I feel about it is that I think it'd be better if just nobody used it. And I, I think about in my in my general life, right? Like, I have no reason to use that word. I don't use it when I speak to my black friends. And There's I no don't, benefit. I There's call no all men my brother. Yeah, like like all if, men, white, black, Spanish, everybody, my brother. Like it's a it's a word that I grew out of. Like when I was in high school and when I was younger, I used to use the word a ton. But now, as an adult, I just don't use that word that much. So I I think that honestly, like it can't be, like you're not going to be able to get rid of this word if you use it in popular culture all the time and then tell white people, no, you cannot use that word. You have to either get rid of it all the way or just decide that fine it's going to be part of popular culture and we're just going to allow everybody to use it we're going to allow people to say hold nigga on, hold instead on. of but, whatever but what about hold on so my thing is and this is kind of just devil's advocate to it but why is it that we can't tell white people you can't use the word it's, uh, it's just plain and simple because, you can't use the word because that's called a double standard Whenever you tell someone they can't do something, but you can do it, it's a double standard. And double standards in the context of... I mean, but, I mean oh, well, hold on, hold there's on. double standards hold on. in no, life. No, 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 listen to me. Double standards in the context of human behavior aren't realistic. If you ban something or you say no one does this, or you can't make rules, all well, right? Black people, if they really want people to stop using the N-word, black people have to stop using it first. Everyone thinks it's okay to use the N-word because black people use it all the time. All the time. You hang out with a group of black men, the nigga, the N-word is going to be, nigga, 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 nigga. I'm always checking people like, no, brother, I'm fourth generation free. Don't use that word around me. So for me, it's like, don't, don't try to tell people not to use it. It's a word. A literally something you can put in the dictionary. If you don't want people using it, don't use it yourself. You never hear Jewish I mean, people yeah, calling I each other the K-word. You don't hear that. 
I rarely ever hear Spanish people using the S word towards each other. So only black people are the only people trying to take a derogatory term used to sum up their people. They're like, oh, it's an E-R, it's an A. No, it's the same word. You're trying to make a slang of a word. Like, don't use the word. If you're really upset about delete the word altogether. But you're not upset about it, you want to keep it. So you're only giving people the advantage to call you that because you call that to yourself. Yeah, I also I also feel like um, you have to think about don't let the right get in the way of what's effective. If you don't want anybody to ever use the word, stop using it yourself. It would just fall out of favor. People will stop using it. But if you want to keep... I mean, that's true. If you, There's no benefit to using the word. Yeah, like if you want to keep putting it in popular culture and have it on the radio every five seconds and they get mad when somebody makes a mistake, it's like, well, you keep kind of slamming this in people's ears all day, all night, and then all of a sudden you're mad. So, like, I feel like if you want to be effective, if you want to really get rid of this word, then you, we have to stop using it as a culture and stop just kind of get rid of it. And then it'll just fall out of favor. It'll just fall into the abyss um i also want to move towards science because this is our science segment we always want to kind of update people on something that's not being reported in the news because it's now something that trump said so pharaoh what's going on in science so the biggest thing in science for me this week is going to be the fact that india after trump said he was going to remove america from the paris climate accord India said that by 2030 they're only going to sell electric cars. <laughs> India right now is the largest is the largest market for solar power. So for one of the largest market in like I think it's the continent with the second largest the country with the second largest population to say that they're no longer going to use gas powered cars is a revolutionary change to the industry. So let's give a high. I mean five. that is huge. That is huge. Yeah, uh, that yeah. Let's give a high five. To the uh, Indian, to people of India and the country of India for pushing humanity further by only selling electric cars. Let me update people. Right now, the fact that we can make electric cars means that we should stop making gas cars. The fact that we're still making gas cars means that someone's still making money of it. So when you make choices out of how it makes you money instead of how it saves your civilization, how it saves your freaking species, how it saves your planet, it's freaking dumb. All right. People who still make gas cars and still buy gas cars and still looking for gas cars are dumb. It's it cuts killer side. When we had there's a point out of human history, we had something called the Bronze and Iron Age, which means countries were switching from the different metal they used in their swords to a better metal. And then there were advisors telling their kings like, no, 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 we have a whole armory full of this metal fuck that new metal they're using and then that smaller country with the better metal came through and wiped out their army this is the same thing without gas versus electric cars if you have a new technology that is superiorly better costs less money makes you use less energy to power it then you should use it the fact that you're going back in time and trying to keep up with the old shit is ridiculous. So let me give a high five to India for being the first country in the world to say, hey, we're seeing a new age. We're going to join it. High five, India. That's the best thing going on. Let me, just, um, let me just pull in my friend Black here. Black has been recording us. He's the person who owns the studio who <laughs> lets us record. So let him come in. He has a, he has a comment he wants to make. Yeah, 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 yeah we can hear you. Oh, Ty, 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 sorry. Wake up! <laughs> I do have a, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's a great point. Um, I think that's a great point. Um, 
completely agree with you 100%. I'm the same way. But then it dawned on me for those individuals who are strictly money-based and who've invested into cars, you know, gas cars, are probably still receiving some of their return. So it's kind of like these big wigs are like, it's kind of like for like uh, relative energy. We, we already have free energy generators for so long, uh, but they, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Con Ed, you know what I mean? They still want to run power lines when we have weather disasters and things are falling down. It's such a hazardous for the situation, I mean, for the uh, environment, but people are still keeping it because they've invested in a certain amount of money and they're probably still looking on that return. So for example, if you say, I paid $100 million for $10 million, whatever else, you know, in a certain amount of time frame, and you're like, I'm expecting this much in return. There's people who are like, well, I'm not going to get rid of my product right now because this new shit came Those people are dumb. My money. I know they're dumb. I agree with you. Yeah. But it's just that, you know, when you're thinking about money, people who are just like, well, I put my investment, I still want. First of all, right now, your money is based off paper. Used to be money was based off gold, which is a real resource you got. We have a credit-based system, which means money's a game. Yeah. All right? So as long as money is a game and you want to make decisions for your species, you're a human being. Do you want human beings to be living here another thousand years? Then if the question is survival over profit, then what do you want? Do you want to live or do you want to die and be rich? Also, also, just... I agree with you. I, look, look, I'm not saying your mindset is wrong. I'm just saying is you live in a society that has prepped you for that mindset. And because no, they have prepped you... No, not you. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. no, no, just the society has prepped us for that mindset to think that profits is more important than long-term success. And right now, you have a lot of old things keeping us stuck in the current time because they don't want to change. They know change loses the money. Right. They got to build new factories, develop new technologies. They don't want to do it. They're like, I've been... Power. No, no. Change is the world. Right now, in all the solar system, Earth has the most dynamic weather on all the planets. Look, we have life. Why do we have life? Because things are constantly changing and finding balance here. So change is necessary for life. Life is not a stagnant thing. When you say you want to keep something you've always been doing because it makes you money, what you're saying is, I want to be stagnant. Also. Stagnation. You ever heard the moving bike theory? Moving back. The moving bike theory. A bike can move forward. A bike can move backward. But if you're not moving at all, that bike falls over. And when you're stagnant, you're a non-moving bike. And right now, when people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see you have electric, but I want to keep using gas. That's stagnation. And your bike is falling. Also, also, if you're really thinking about the, the profit motive, right? Now, now, if you're looking at fossil fuels, if you're looking at something like coal, coal, coal energy employs less people than Arby's at the moment. So, <laughs> if, like, if you're really thinking about what's making money, let's think about what developing nations and nations with kind of these, these dictator-type um, governments are moving towards. China right now, China is moving towards renewable energy. Mm. Why would they be doing that if it wasn't beneficial to them? They don't need to one do things. One of the largest things. countries in the world, population-wise. Yes. Billion people, one population. And you have to think about the fact that they are, they, are, they are essentially run, right? So they don't have to do it. They could run their power plants off of coal if they felt like it. 
but they don't because they know what the future is. They know the future is renewable energy. So if you're looking at countries that, if you're looking at the profit motive, the profit motive right now is in renewable energy. That's where the growth is. The That's growth where all is, the new jobs are coming from. Yes. Uh, first of all, renewable energy is killing old energy when it comes to new job creation why because when you invest in what's new there's more new opportunity when you invest in what's old all you have is old opportunity that has limited space to grow dj belf how are you feeling about this dj belf yeah, no, I'm here. I'm sorry. Um, no, I mean, to tell you the truth, I was just listening because you know, if you're on the, if you, if you're of course calling outside of the studio, yeah, uh, yeah. it is. Uh, it's not as easy like to really interject. So I was just letting y'all talk. And plus, and plus, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie. This is y'all's more or less specialty in regards to knowing about this. However. In regards to renewable energy versus coal, I know that we spoke about this one point in time. I believe it may have been the first podcast uh, where uh, we were speaking of more or less the Rust Belt and how we're just that, how we were actually speaking um, to the matter that people need to start uh, re-educating themselves, you know, um, and and get away from the thought process that coal is actually going to try and come back. Like, you know, we know that Trump was talking about this, you know, our celebrity in chief that, Oh, we're going to bring coal energy back, things of that nature. Yeah. Because he has a stake in it. We all know this, you know, um, it's, I want to say it's, it's just about time, uh, for them to actually see that, um, he has ulterior motives, but yeah. So renewable energy, I definitely do agree with Sarah. That's not, I agree with you. Um, renewable energy is the way right now. Technology is the way things that we, we, we have, we had, um, telephone booths and then from telephone booths, we had cell phones and things of that nature and car phone, like, you know, car phones are in things. And then, you know, um, now cell phones, it just, you have to progress. You can't stay in the old times. That's not, that's not how the human race evolves. Definitely, definitely. I feel you on that. Um, all right. So I I want to move towards the deep dive, but do you guys mind if I drag somebody to to the grape fields real quick? If I send somebody to go pick some grapes? How do you guys feel about that? Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Um, one person who I want to go, I want to send to go get some grapes is Kathy Griffin. Now, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. For that picture. Because she's, and it's not that even. That was a lot. It's not I'm even not, for it, the that picture. Was, that, like, was a, that was a lot. I, I don't mind the picture. So let's give some people some well, background. I'm going to do a New Year's now without Kathy Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kathy Griffin thought it was this great idea. She wanted to have this picture of like this bloodied, severed head of Donald Trump. So she takes this picture, she puts it online, and then people start dragging it for her. And then she gets on TV and starts crying about how her career is over and how it's ruined and everybody's being so mean to her. And... One thing we've talked about on this show is that don't state an opinion that you're not willing to defend. If you state an opinion and people get mad at you about it, you should be secure enough in your opinion that you're able to defend that opinion. And that's my reason for taking Kathy Giffrin and telling her to go to the... Pick some grapes. Go to pick some grapes. Go to pick some grapes now. Because the fact of the matter is that you, you made that picture to be controversial. You're like C-list celebrity, you wanted to get some time on TV. C-list. 
<laughs> you see, I would give her B. <laughs> she hosts the New Year's special every year. You see, list. You see, list celebrity. You knew what you were doing. You wanted to get some publicity, and then all of a sudden, now you're mad. You're mad. You're like, oh, why is everybody getting mad at me? No, you posted that picture. Defend yourself. Your career isn't <laughs> over. You're actually more relevant than you were two weeks ago right? when you posted that picture. Sex so, City, <laughs> season, whatever. Yeah, so don't don't be over here like trying to get sympathy from me. No, I didn't know who you were two weeks ago. Now you're on no. TV. So, Uh-oh. and also to add on to that, and sorry to interrupt you, brother, brother uh, S. Dot, but um. I say that her and Bill Maher's apology is this. Is, I say I want to put that and lump that into the same category. Really? It's just like because I because I honestly but but, 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 but hear me out. Hear, Mar, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Tries to apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Hear me out real quick. But the thing is that you said it for a reason. You did this for a reason. You knew exactly what this was. I actually want. I actually think that Kathy Griffin first said that it wasn't Trump's head. That it was just. Um, it was just a you know symbolism it was art whatever the case is you knew what you were doing and i'm the thing is too that i'm more or less mad at not mad but uh disappointed in kathy griffin but i'm more like disappointed in the crew that is around her there was nobody there that said oh i don't think that i don't think that's going to be just going to look good for your image you know like is there nobody around her corner to be like yeah no you may not want to do that you know so I, I want you to know, I have mixed feelings on this because, one, I believe in freedom. Yeah. And the first pretext is freedom of speech. So as a method of freedom of speech, she has every right and every freedom to do this thing and should not have been chastised for using her freedom of speech. But I understand the, the double side. If some politician had done this to Obama, black people would have burned down some cities. So, but I no, but that did hold happen. On, hold on, hold on. That did happen. Hold on, up. But that's what I'm saying. People did do this, but not one of sufficient levels. So, why I think what Kathy different Kathy Griffin did was wrong as an American, also as an American, I believe in her right to freedom of speech. So, to let someone lose, like it's like, do you believe in freedom or do you believe in your own way of life? <laughs> and that's my ultimate question to anyone who talks about this. What's more important to you? Your view of the world or the view of freedom? And freedom means letting people do things that you don't always agree with. That's freedom. Freedom means living in an environment where people do things you don't agree with. Now, do I agree with you holding up the president's head beheaded? No. As an American, that's a bit wild. I don't like the president. I'm not a fan. But it's still a commander-in-chief. And I believe that office deserves the level of respect. But Republicans killed that level of respect during Obama's presidency. So we're at a free fall fall. Yeah, I mean, more along the lines is I think that you have the right to freedom of speech, but you also have to respect other people's rights to that same thing. So if you say something... Freedom of speech doesn't mean you have a right not to be offended. If you want to live in a free society, you're saying, I'm okay with being offended. Yeah. You can't have both. You can't have freedom of freedom of speech and then say, oh, I don't want to be offended. No, but that's that's the case, right? So you have freedom of speech. You have the freedom to take the president's head hold him up, bloody or whatever. But then people have the freedom of speech to attack you for doing that. And you have to be prepared to take that. And that's my... Should you lose your job over it? But she's not going to use her job. She's more relevant than she was two weeks ago. No, no, no. I think they kicked her off the New Year's Day. Like, what am I going to do for New Year's? (laughs) 
Years. <laughs> 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 What's New Year's without Kathy Griffin? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Who's going to count down the ball drop? I don't know. <laughs> We're place it with Chester. And, and then also, and also, and also, just to, just to add on to that, because I want to say that goes both ways, you know, because. For me, I'm, I'm, I actually just say that what Kathy Griffin actually did was what other white conservative uh, men and women did in regards to, to Obama. And this is kind of just adding on to what Farrell said. Uh, but this is that's exactly what they did. So for me, I actually look at them and say, well, don't be fake outrage now. But when they did this to um, Obama, you, you, you were basically, you yeah, you were basically saying, oh, this is actually you were first. You either weren't saying anything about it or they were actually defending or actually a part of, to tell you the truth, they were a part of the slander or this, the birth of movement. Also, when you see Obama and calling him like monkey and uh, Mrs. Obama, like monkey, like things like that. Like, yeah, it, it, don't be fake outrage now that she did this. But when these conservative Tea Party people are over here saying that, oh, you know, they wish that Obama would be, you know, killed or whatever in some way, shape, or form, it's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. All right, so. <laughs> Right now, I want to move into the the deep dive. Deep dive? Okay, today we're going to be doing a deep dive, and our deep dive today is on identity politics. One reason I want to talk about this is because I like, and you've probably seen this through everything I've, I've said after the show, but I really want to keep the focus on getting votes people to come out and vote and vote to turn out because we're not going to have any of this change unless we get a democratic legislature in 2018 <laughs> Don't yeah, so so you know like we have to discuss these things so right now i want to talk about identity politics and what identity politics is is when you decide what you want to do is you want to divide the populace up into different groups. So you want to have an LGBT group. You want to have a black group. You want to have a Latino group. And you decide to give them specific things. So you give, LG, uh, you give the LGBT group like marriage equality and things like that. You give black people, you know, um, you give them, um, what is it? Like, like name something. Politics? For black people. So for black people, identity politics, and when they, when a politician comes up, black politics are like, oh, I'm going to get elected and tell the cops not to stop and frisk you. Yeah, like stop and freeze. Like that's, that's a black that's thing. That's identity politics. Yeah, and you know, so like, like you do these types of things. And the Democratic Party has built a case off of that. That's what they used during the Obama era, and that's what they tried to use during the Hillary Clinton era. So I want to play a clip real quick, and then we discuss, is this a winning strategy going forward? Nope. Here, take a look. Ease up on the identity politics. Uh, they pulled off quite a neat trick in 2016. They, they made white people who are still <laughs> the majority in this country feel like a minority, or at least enough of them to swing the election. Um, so I think, I think that's important to make, make sure you, you look like you represent everybody, including the majority. <coughs> So that was a clip from Bill Maher talking about how maybe we should like leave um, identity politics in the past. 
But Pharaoh, what do you think? Do you think that this is a winning strategy moving forward? It's a, it's for me. It's double edged sword. I'm a historian, so for me, it's double edged sword. Human beings are naturally prone to tribalism. All right, naturally. So if you tell the people on the right side of the street that they have a team, and the people on the left side of the street that they have a team, these two groups, after 25 years, are going to be committed to each right side or left side of the team. So for me, it's not that identity politics is a winning strategy. It's cheap. When you have a country like America founded on the ideas of enlightenment, to break people down to tribal things like, oh, that's your color of your skin? Well, these colors, the people of the other color of skin are out to get you. Then you've already undercut the value of what America's meant to be. So it's not that identity politics is not a winning strategy. It's a strategy that doesn't make us a better country. You can win on that all day because people are going to be naturally inclined to go with what they feel is most related to them. But for America to, to succeed, we have to start a, we have to start expanding the idea of what your identity is. Yeah, I, I and, do. And Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, and Estad, sorry to uh, interrupt you, but Pharaoh, yeah. or even Estad, if you can just remind the people exactly, because I know that Pharaoh was just actually speaking of, you know, uh, color and how uh, people of color, or even any minority group, whatever the case may be, race that, that you may be, um, how, like, basically which way they vote. But just in regards to African Americans, I'm not too sure if people knew that. African Americans were more in regards to a Republican Party. No, if if you guys uh, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't African Americans um, in the beginning? But you know, I think until up to like the '70s or something like that, until the that we switched. Rights. Yeah, no, no, the until the civil rights. rights the yeah. Civil, first of all, it's not about. First of all, it's not about that. You got to understand, the parties change sides. So Democrats and Republicans used to be in different places. Before the Democrats were a northern, the Democrats were a southern party. Dixie Democrats. The the Republicans were a northern party. Like during the time of Lincoln, that's a northern party, Republican party. But there's a switch. And then the Democrats become the more northern party and Republicans become the more southern party. So the problem with parties is they don't ever represent what's real. The south and the north have always been different. The South has always been more focused on a ruling class type policy, whereas the North has always been trying to push for more diversity and trying to say, hey, we're more inclusive cultures. But that comes down to ports. The North brings in more different types of immigrants than the South does. That's just how it is. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a fair, it's not a fair uh, suggestion that Northerners are more open to different groups. They get more different groups on occasion than the Southerners do. Yeah, I think that when you're talking about identity politics, so so the beginning of this idea actually came out. So this is a very old idea, but for for Democrats, when this came out, is actually in around like 2003, 2004, when um, a couple of people wrote a book, and their basic idea was that minorities were going to become the majority in a couple of years' time. So That's if you true. could. If you could mainly because of Spanish people, right? So if you could win ninety percent of the vote with African Americans, Latino Americans, LGBT community, and if you could win, and here's the key point, here's the key piece: if you could win fifty percent, fifty percent of the white vote, you could win elections throughout. You could win elections in perpetuity. Now the wow. question, the question is, and and this is the reason why we lost with Hillary Clinton. Because when Obama did this, right, 
black people came out and voted in record numbers. Minorities came out and True. voted. Voted. And white people voted for him too. Yes, yes. A lot of people came out because they were they loved Obama, but they did not come out in the same amount for Hillary Clinton. She's not the same candidate, right? <laughs> and so, if you look at the turnout, and especially in battleground states, in places like Wisconsin and Mich- in Michigan, black turnout fell dramatically when they had to vote for Hillary Clinton. And that's why she lost. So you have to think, will a identity politics work for every candidate or does it only work for special candidates? Does it only work for people like Obama? But see, that's not fair because Hillary Clinton ran against Obama in the primaries when Obama ran the first time. And she lost to Obama in the primaries in 2008 when Obama was a candidate no one had ever heard about. Obama didn't become relative on the national stage until that election. Hillary Clinton, we had known for years. So when Hillary Clinton lost to Obama in 2008, that still let the Democratic Party know that anyone could be Hillary Clinton. I mean, if you're looking... Yeah, and that people, and, that, and honestly, to tell you the truth, I, I want to say that it was when Obama was elected that, um, that that's kind of where things started turning in regards to the American people in regards to their mind and who they want. They wanted something different. But, Obama offered that something different and yep. spoke more to the, spoke more to, to the youth, you know, the 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, those new voters and, and, and so forth. So I, and then, but that's what the Democratic Party, and that's where we all know that they fucked up because they should have seen that. But and they should have said, we need to go with, with Bernie. Another thing about Obama, we need to understand, is Obama's an outsider. Obama's yeah. also a constitutional lawyer. Obama picked out his battleground states and ran one of the best political campaigns we have ever seen in American history. He knew what he wanted to win, and he went out and win it. Hillary Clinton did not have an organized election strategy. Obama did not leave his states after re-election. <laughs> he kept his campaign headquarters in every single one of those battleground states. So the problem is not comparing apples to oranges. It's saying that this apple grew on a tree that was sitting at the top of the hill, had all the sunshine. The other apple grew at the bottom of the hill and didn't have all the sunshine. That's Hillary Clinton. Hillary well, Clinton doesn't have sunshine. Obama has sunshine. It's not that he's just fresh. He's also smart. Obama played the electoral college when he ran both times. He decided that I know my electoral college number. I want to win. These are the states I want to win. Hillary Clinton did not do that. Obama went out to white rural voters and campaigned to them in towns that never seen shit till a president-elect comes to the, out there. Hillary Clinton didn't do that. She only campaigned in major cities and liberal areas. So you can't compare these two like they ran the same campaign. Obama superiorly ran a much better campaign than any politician in almost all of American history. Um, Hillary Clinton did a Mitt Romney. She relied on her party to win her the election, and parties don't win you elections. I mean, just to jump on top of that, yeah, Obama ran a revolutionary campaign, and not just because he was black. Like, I think a lot of people believe that, like, oh, he was this black candidate, so he ran it. No. If you look at the what the Republican Party is doing now, they're doing it because that's what Obama did Facts. in 2009. Facts. What he did was he was able to use data, massive data. I'm talking about big data analytics. He was able to use that to target specific voters and 
push his message to them. He was a very exceptional candidate. Just in general, he was very he understood technology. He understood the youth vote. He understood all these types he of things. He ran the rules. Yeah, and he and he ran a campaign towards that based on the rules. So when the Hillary Clinton jumped in and she didn't do these type of groundbreaking things, it didn't work out to her advantage. But um, the next question I want to ask everybody on this panel is. Do you think that liberals will be able to accept white identity politics? Do you think they would be able to accept a candidate who also speaks to white rural Americans who are working in coal mines or whatever the 23 people who are using a pickaxe are doing? I mean, it's uh, that's a good question. Wow. The problem with that question is it's an identity politics question. (laughs) You are still wrapping America up into separate different identities. What what is the mass message for America? <laughs> if, if you've traveled this country, there's two things you notice. Every other state is a different country. They have a different way of life. They have different words. They have different slang. They have a different way of looking at the country. It's different. So to say that identity politics on either side is successful is wrong. Obama didn't win off identity politics. Obama won, won off building a coalition. He said, these are the different groups of people who I think I can help. Working white voters, women who want to be more successful in their careers, black who feel like the system doesn't work for them. He built a coalition of different groups to win him the election. Hillary Clinton did not do that. Even Trump did that. He said, white people who lost their job to factory, those are my voters. (laughs) And he spoke to his voters. Hillary Clinton was trying to speak to everyone in the country and not speaking to anyone at the same time. So... You can't, you can't really, like, she ran a bad campaign. Like, I don't even, we keep yeah. bringing her up, but she's not a good candidate for identity politics. She's really um, not. Okay, yeah, just to kind of harken yeah, on I have that. Yeah, I have to agree with Sparrow. Like, I have to agree with Sparrow. I don't believe that Hillary won the, and the like, Obama had, Obama had certain niches that he actually tapped into. He actually, and just to add on to what you guys said, I want to say they said he was the first president to actually incorporate technology into, and to actually, like, Twitter and Facebook and things of that nature. That was the first time ever uh, that a politician, uh, and actually even and a potential candidate, and then of course, then president, um, you know, actually used um, actual social media to more or less garner, to, to, you know, garner his followings and things, his followers and things of that nature. So, yeah, I agree with Pharaoh and, and, you know, 100% on this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I want to do is play a clip that exemplifies this. Because this is Obama in his last speech. So, Obama's um, talking about how you can unite the people, right? And in his first and in the first part of this clip, he talks about speaking to white rural America. And you'll see the response he gets. It's, it's a decent response. And then he's going to talk about African Americans and black people. And you're going to see the response he gets there. And I, I want you guys to kind of compare and contrast that and think that what is a good, um, what is a good move for America. So I'm going to play this clip and then we can talk about it after. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. For blacks and other minority groups, that means tying our own very real struggles for justice to the challenges that a lot of people in this country face. Not only the refugee or the immigrant or the rural poor or the transgender American, but also the middle-aged white guy who, from the outside, 
may seem like he's got advantages, but has seen his world upended by economic and cultural and technological change. We have to pay attention and listen. For white Americans, it means acknowledging that the effects of slavery and Jim Crow didn't suddenly vanish in the 60s. That when minority groups voice discontent, they're not just engaging in reverse racism or practicing political correctness. When they wage peaceful protest, they're not demanding special treatment, but the equal treatment that our founders promised. All right. Um, I just played that clip, but Pharaoh, I I'm aware you have to you have to head out. Yeah, it's kind of late, guys. Uh, I would like to say just two final things before I run out of here. Uh, don't let your identity define who you are. You live in a new age, the 21st century. Who you were born as does not dictate who you will die as, and that is something fundamentally different today that was not true 100 and 200 years ago. So your identity does not define your ideals. Your identity as physically does not define your mentality. So don't let these politicians suck you into cheap bullshit. Think for yourself, develop for yourself, and decide, hey, does my ideal build a better world than the world we had before, or does my ideal take us backwards? That's my final statement. I'm going to get out of here. Let me catch this train so I can get back to the <laughs> woods. Uh, and you people be safe. Pharaoh out. All right, peace out, Pharaoh. Um, Later. So, Steve, how do you feel about that? So, in that clip, when he talks about old white people and white people in general, it's a very tepid response. But when he talks about African Americans, the crowd erupts in massive praise. Do you think that liberals will ever be able to accept white identity politics and accept that a candidate needs to use that? in order to um, secure the vote? Actually, to tell you the truth, I don't believe so. I really don't believe so. I think at this point in time, um, identity politics is actually so rooted at this point in time, uh, and I think in a lot of people, where at this point in time, even in regards to the next election, uh, you know, actually another four years or whatever the case may be, is that, uh, I don't even think that it's going to be phased out at this point in time. I do. I, I don't believe, and and, the, and this is actually the reason why. Also, is that I just believe that in regards to white identity, identity politics, it just hits uh, different sort of uh, you know spots and actually touches somebody, but not in a good way. <laughs> I'm sorry, like that. It, that's not the good, sweet you know you know feeling that you want. You may want to feel from somebody that you know you care for, or whatever the case is. This is like the stranger or the, you know, random person who just, you know, may like come next to you in the subway if you, you know, whatever. It's like, no, get away, you know. It's not it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. And I and I think that's exactly where um that's, you know, going to come from, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I see people online, especially a lot of my liberal friends, when they're posting stuff online, they're usually posting about discrimination that's uh, against African-Americans. And I was reading this piece in The Nation by Walter Ben Michaels. And what he said was, you don't build the left by figuring out which victim has been most victimized. You build it by organizing the victims. 
And I think that's true because you have to, you can't divide people up as African-American and LGBT and white American and have them all fighting against each other because that's what you end up doing when you divide them up. You have to find a way to put them together, to build them as a coalition in order to get them all to vote for a specific president, for a specific person. So I, I, I don't know if identity politics is the future for the party. I feel like it worked for Obama, but I don't believe it'll work for most people moving forward. Uh, exactly, and I think I think. And this, sorry to interrupt you, um, but I think the reason I think also is that they know that formula, right? They see, they saw Obama, they saw what he did, and to tell you the truth, and I, when I say they, I, I to tell you, I don't know, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I know sometimes I borderline on that, but I just feel like these days out there in the world do not want that bonding to happen, right? So things happen in the media, and we, of course, and, and this has been statistically proven if anybody has actually gone to see that, not gone to see, because you can see Netflix anywhere, so if you're in your home on a Friday night, you know, Netflix and chill, but this is more the 13th, the, um, the, the Netflix uh, movie 13th, um, or the 13th, or whatever the case is, is that I feel like the days out there in the world aren't going to want that to happen in the media has been shown to uh, reflect black people and, you know, people of color, color in a, in a negative way. So I feel like the out, the days out there may see that and say, you know, I'm, we're going to break people apart to not have that uniformity because once everybody unites is, I mean, I don't want to say it's another like V for vendetta sort of thing, but I'm just saying yeah, I mean, when I when I was reading up on this, um, the the same guy who I just quoted now made an interesting point. He said that when you start focusing on identity politics, you really start losing the actual issue. He said that the actual issue right now is not that. So when you start building a a coalition on when you start building on the idea that you are unequal because of disadvantages, you lose the idea that the advantage are taking advantage of the disadvantage, right? So like if you're if you're very rich, you're taking advantage of the poor. It doesn't matter if you're poor because you're African American or you're poor because you didn't take um, advantage of your white privilege, you're still poor and there's still a ruined class that's kind of taking advantage of you. And part of the thing that we should be focused on is not whether I'm disadvantaged because I'm African American or I'm disadvantaged because I'm LGBT. It doesn't matter the reason. The main issue is that I'm disadvantaged. And the main issue is that how do we put ourselves all on equal footing? How do we all get ourselves to the same place? So I think that sometimes identity politics really gets us away from the real issues. Why is ExxonMobil taking advantage of me instead of us as a populist telling ExxonMobil what to do? I think that's the big. It's the almighty dollar, brother. That's what it is. I mean, well, who, who, I forgot the old school group. I think it was like in the seventies that that had that song, like for the love of money. You know, I just yeah. that's that's what it is, bro. Like, uh, yeah, money is, money is the root of all evil, so to speak. You know, it's just that saying holds true, and that's why. <laughs> and I, I also think that like identity politics also kind of. It segregates people who don't need to be on different sides. So if you're poor and white, you should be working on the same side as African-Americans. We should be marching together. There's a story about um, 
Martin Luther King when he's in jail and he's talking to one of the security guards and the security oh, guard tell is, him, tell is, is against yes. him and he's like yes. you should be marching with me I'm, we're yes. marching for the yes. same thing but when you use yes. identity politics what you end up doing is you end up dividing those two people you end up dividing the African Americans from the poor white person who should actually be on our side so I really think mm. that we kind of need to rethink this we need to refigure how we are approaching this so that if you do start talking about the poor disadvantaged white person they get the same round of applause as as a poor black person because we should be on the same side and, we shouldn't and, be fighting against each other and that's why and that's why i say the days out there because that whole sort of scenario where you know they're playing towards either the poor white person or the poor black person or whatever the case is kind of just in that but they it this goes back to even you know i would say jim crow era and things of that nature kind of in that in that um turn of the century where uh you know Slavery was abolished, uh, but the thing is that uh, I would say poor whites, you know, at, at one point in time, actually were together with minorities, with black black people, and then the quote unquote they saw that and you know basically pit those poor whites against the blacks. So it's just I want to say that this is general, uh, you know, generations that has to be just phased out, and I think that this identity politics and things of that nature and playing against you know, one, um, you know, one race or whatever the case is, one culture against the next, you know, that will phase out. But right now we're still in that, I would say, after, you know, burn or whatever the case is, you know, um, you know, on the back end, so to speak. Definitely, definitely. All right. So we're coming to the end of the Get Up podcast. DJ Bell, do you have any last words before we head off? Yes, I do. I really hope that the Cavs are able to come through. I mean, right now, the the person that, you know, of course, I, you know, I ball. I ball, you know, I hoop a little, you know. Oh, not even a little, also I hoop, right? So I, that, I'm just, I don't see how they're going to come back because if, in my opinion, if Iman, if Iman and, and um, JR don't show up, it's like it's like you can't just have um, Kyrie and LeBron and some and of course you know I would say Kevin Love. Sometimes if two or two of them are on and not all three or all four or five, whatever the case may be, if those two people and even I would say Al Lumping and Kevin Love because Kyrie and and LeBron have shown that they keep going hard, triple double things of that nature. Um, shout like LeBron just passed MJ in regards. To, I want to say in, uh, in regards to the most points or whatever the case may have been in, in the finals. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that the Cavs, uh, can, can pull this through, but I do believe that, I mean, you're going back, you're going back to, to, you're going back to Oakland. You're going back to Oracle arena. It is shown that the Warriors really don't lose at home or, you know, their record from home is like, they've only lost two or three or some odd games. Like it's really, it's really small in regards to the amount of games they've lost. So, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm also, you know, realistically, I don't think that the Cavs are going to win, but I'm going to hope that they win it with bond together and let these Cavs, these Cavs win. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm more of a Warriors fan, but um, I no. feel you. I, I feel I feel you on what you're you're hoping for. You, I, I don't see them winning four games in a row, but maybe they'd be able to come back with a couple of games. Um, there you go. Um, my my big message for today is, and it's going to be my message from now to November eighth, two thousand eighteen. Go out and vote. 
you if you don't go out and vote if you don't go out and vote in these small elections in these elections for state legislatures and votes for the midterms for the the congress and for these small state um for senate elections we're never going to get anywhere at this moment if we had a democratic legislature this would be over there'd be impeachment papers right now but the reason why there aren't any are because we didn't come out and vote for our state legislatures we didn't come out and vote for our our senate seats we didn't come out to True. vote for Congress. So we've yeah. seen... And even lower than that, and I'm, I want to add on to I'm so sorry to interrupt your deep, you know, your last word, but even lower than that, you know, parents need to go to their school board meetings and things of that nature. It, you have to vote every in, in every aspect, small, I mean, local, not small, but local, local, all the way up, you know, to state and then federal afterwards. Yes, go out and vote for who's in control of your block. I mean, just go out and vote and participate in our democracy because that's what democracy is. People going out and participating. And if you don't participate, then you don't have the right to write weird Facebook posts on why Democrat uh, Republicans are the worst. You don't have the right to do that because you didn't go out and vote. So people, please go out and vote. Vote for Democrats. Vote for your Democratic senator, your Democratic congressman. Please go out and vote so we can change this election. Um, so what do you say before you, before we're done? What do you say to those people who say I don't vote because uh, you know it's rigged anyways and blah 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 those conspiracy theorists and so forth? What do you say to them? Okay, okay. So what I say to that is that states like Michigan and Wisconsin were lost by less than twenty thousand votes. That's ridiculous. 20,000 votes is a drop in the bucket. If people just got up and went out to vote right now, we would be talking about how Hillary Clinton is blocking all this ridiculous legislation that Paul Ryan is trying to put through. 20,000 votes is not a lot of people in regards to the fact that we have hundreds of millions of people who live in the United States. So please go out and vote it is not a rigged system it's only rigged when you're sitting at home smoking weed talking about conspiracy theories that's when it's rigged but if you actually go out there and participate in our democracy our democracy is very vibrant it's very healthy and it can do great things if you participate in it so please 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 go out and vote on november 8th vote vote or die vote or die if you're if you're looking for somebody to indict and and that's another thing if you're looking for somebody to indict the president right now that only happens in congress that doesn't happen in court it happens in congress so you need the right legislatures so please please go out and vote that's my close and um thank you for coming and viewing the get up podcast this has been a great yeah yeah (laughs) and we'll check you next week we'll check you next week um peace 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 out